Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. Um, you know, I really want to preach a message. Um, you know, um, there are times where I preach series and there's other times where I preach uh, something that is uh, what I would call more of a, a, a burden message. And I'll explain that a little bit. Um, there are strategical sermons that I, that I preach in series because I feel like it's, it brings balance to your year uh, to make sure that we are not just... Uh, um, uh, preaching one thing all the time. There's a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, I think they get caught up and they preach the same thing or around about the same thing every week. And sometimes you can't help that because sometimes it's the way that God's gifted you or that some revelations that God, God has shown you. Uh, but I, I really do try to make sure that we, we spread things out and we have a good series on things on, and we have a good balanced diet in the Word of God. But then there's other times where the Lord will just begin to speak to me and it, it may just be a one message type thing where it's just more of a burden message. And so that would, I, I would classify that as this uh, morning. And so uh, if you will, go to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. And uh, this morning's sermon is called Keeping the Faith. Uh, so we're going to start in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 2 Timothy 4, in verse 1. And this is Paul, of course, talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, who was a pastor, and he says, I charge you, therefore, and we've preached on this sermon, on this message, sorry, this uh, passage before, um, but I, I really want to take this a little bit different direction. It says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know what fables are, don't you? Made up stuff. How much of our society is believing things that people are just making up and saying, it's true to me because I made it up? That's a fable. It's not the truth. It's not the word. Of, the word of God is the only truth. You can make up whatever story you want about yourself or about society or about how things ought to be. But if it's made up and it's not based in the word of God, it's just a fable. And it says in, in these times that people are going to turn away from the truth and they're going to be turned aside to fables, made up stories. It says, but you... Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. He tells Timothy, who was gifted to be a pastor, he said, you need to do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is someone who goes out and preaches the gospel. He said he didn't, he didn't tell him to, to not be a pastor, but he says, as you're being a pastor, make sure that you're doing the work of an evangelist. And he says, and fulfill your ministry. And all that is good stuff, and we could preach all day on that, but this is the part I want to read to you. This is Paul, and he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. 
and I have kept the faith. And so as you can tell by the tone of this letter, the Apostle Paul is nearing the end of his life and is giving some last minute instructions and wisdom to his son in the faith, Timothy. And as I was studying this and as I was meditating on this passage, I began to ask myself some questions. And as I began to do that, this, was, this really kind of came out of, I mean, all my sermons come out of my own personal study time. But I mean, when I say all personal, my personal study time, this was, this was me and the Lord together working on me. Amen. And so as I began to uh, read into this and begin to study this, I, I was asking myself some questions. I was allowing the Holy Spirit to ask myself some questions and, um, and I want to ask these same questions to you because I think it's, it would be good for you. And number one is kind of a, a loaded question. Um, and then they kind of stare step from there. But, but as I'm asking you this, I want you to take this personal. And I, I don't want you to say, well, he's talking to somebody else or this will be good for someone else. No, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking directly to you. And you say, well, I just feel like you're singling me out this morning. I am. I am singling you out. I am talking to you this morning. I'm talking to myself this morning. Number one, how would you live if you knew that you had mere days, weeks, or even months left? How would you live? How would you live if you knew for a fact that you had maybe hours, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe just months left to live? What would become your top priorities? If you knew that right now, if you just got the news or, or the Lord revealed to you on this date and it was just mere days, weeks, or months, how would you live? What would become your top priorities from this moment on? What would become unimportant to you? And what would become of utmost importance to you? Number two, how would your conversations change. I want you to think about this because you may think you're Superman. I may think I'm Superman. And here's the, um, here's kind of one of the things about, about being human. When you're human, the reason why we feel as if we're going to live forever is because in actuality, we will live forever. We may not live in this dispensation and this time on earth as a human being forever, but we're created eternal. Amen? We're created eternal. We're never going to not cease to exist. God created us eternal. But where we're going to be eternal depends heavily on how we spend this minute in comparison, this minute amount of time that we're in right now. So again, I ask you, how would your conversations change if you knew that you only had days, weeks, or maybe months. What do you think would become important to talk about to you? And I'm, this is, these are not questions that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I already know the answer for you. I'm asking you the question so that you can ask yourself. Number three, would you treat your interactions with people differently? Would you interact with people differently if you knew you had merely days, weeks, or months left? Would you treat your interactions with people differently? Number four, would the things that bring stress and anxiety to your life have the same effect on you if you knew you only had days, weeks, or months? 
Some of y'all say, no, I'd go charge every credit card up and just be done with it. <laughs> Would the things that bring you stress, worry, and anxiety right now in your life still have the same effect on you? Number five, and this is the last question. What would be your confidence level right now if you knew you just had days, weeks, or months left? What would be your confidence level that God would be pleased in how you spent your life thus far? What would be your confidence level on how well you spent your life up to this point? If you can imagine God giving you a million dollars at your birth and saying that I want to take an account of what you did with this million dollars on the day that you pass away. And if that million dollars was converted to your life, what would you have to show? If you knew you only had days, weeks, or months to live, what would you have to show for what you spent your life on? What would be the tangible thing that you spent your life on? I, I had a cousin. I, I wasn't old enough. I think I, I, I may not have even been born yet. I don't know. Maybe I was really young because he was 10 years older than me. But I remember them saying that when he was a kid, and you know, when your kids and your aunts and your uncles and your grandparents and stuff, you get to that age where they just, they just give you a card and, and money at Christmas and you look forward to that money. And so all uh, him and the rest of the sisters and, and cousins and stuff, they would, they would get their Christmas money and they would take, they, they'd take the kids to the mall. And they said all the other kids would go, you know, shopping, buy a new shirt, buy shoes, buy a jacket, whatever, you know, buy something tangible. And they said, um, <laughs> but he would go to like the arcade and he would spend every bit of it at the arcade and he would walk out with, with nothing but a good time, right? So I wanna ask you a question. When you leave this world, are you gonna leave with nothing but a good time? Are you gonna have something tangible of which you spent your life on? What would your confidence level be that God would be pleased with how you spent your life? Now all those questions I, I want to kind of take that and, and, and bring this statement to it because I don't say these things and ask these questions to bring panic or fear to your life. I'm asking them to inspire and maybe even invoke or provoke you to a different way of looking at the time that you have every morning when you open up your eyes and take your first breath of what could be your last day here on earth. That's why I want to do that. I want to provoke you to think more that way. We could wake up tomorrow, literally, we could wake up tomorrow in a completely different world. Whether that be physically or spiritually. <laughs> we could wake up tomorrow in a different world. Or we could wake up tomorrow in a completely different society run by completely different rules, run by completely different hardships or maybe even handicaps. That's a reality. And my question to you today is, would you do things differently if you had a better idea of the hour and the day when everything's gonna change for you? Would you do things differently if you had a better idea of the hour and the day when everything will change for you because there is an hour and there is a day 
where everything as you know it will change for you. Amen? It's there. It's, it's reality. If we don't believe that, how can we believe in Jesus and what he came here to do? We, if we believe in Jesus and what he came here to do, we have to believe that there is an hour and there is a day that will drastically change for us personally. Amen? It's coming. So knowing that, would you do anything differently than what you have been doing up to this point? Let's go to uh, James, the fourth chapter. James 4. We've been studying the book of James on Wednesday nights. It's, it's really been good. And I find myself going back there for, for the wisdom that comes out of the book of James. James was the actual uh, half-brother of Jesus. He was not James the, uh, um, the disciple uh, that was the, the three, Peter, James, and John. It was, it was a different James than that. Was, this was James, Jesus' half-brother. And he wrote this book. And um, James, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse, it says, Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. So he's calling people who are making all these plans for one day, someday. He says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there. And buy and sell there and make a profit there. Verse 14, it says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? That's a question that he's asking people that have all these big plans. It is even a vapor that appears for a lot, little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say. So instead of thinking that way, you ought to think this way. Instead, you ought to say... If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You say, break that down for me, Pastor, right now. What is James saying? James is saying that if you know how you should be living and you're constantly saying one day, when I get to this point, or when I get to that point, or when I get this solved, or when I get that solved, or when I get, you know, this, this, this thing that I've been after, when I get to that point, then I will do A, B, or C, the thing that I know to be doing. James says, if you do that, you're really being foolish in doing that, because you're not promised tomorrow, because your life is a vapor. And I know we normally save these scriptures for funerals, but if when we save these scriptures for funerals, we've saved them to the point where it's too late. You need to know that your life is a vapor now before you're laying in the casket. Your life is a vapor now. And what James really is saying is today is what matters. Right now is what matters. In the moment, what you do, what you say, how you treat people, what you are currently pursuing, it makes absolutely no difference what you are going to do. What matters is what you are currently doing. God will not judge you on what you intended to do. Can I say that again? God's not going to be concerned about what you intended to do. I ran into somebody some time ago 
that never did what they said they were going to do. They made all these promises and they never did what they said they were going to. They were not a person of their word. And because they were such a likable person, everybody around them would say, well, they had good intentions. Good intentions are worthless because God's not concerned about what you say you're going to do. He's concerned about what you have done and what you are currently doing. God will not judge you on what you intended to do, but what you are doing. We want to be found like the Apostle Paul. In our last days, he said, I fought the good fight. I didn't think about it. I didn't say one day I'll start fighting the good fight. No, I, I fought the good fight. I got in the fight. I got off the bench. I, got, I quit saying that I was going to. I got in the game, and I literally fought the good fight of faith. You can't just think about it. You can't just think of yourself as a person who fights the good fight of faith. You actually have to fight if you're going to be found fighting the good fight of faith at the end of your life. Not thinking that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I think of myself as a good person because I think of myself as someone who has good intentions. No, no, no. You got to fight. There's moments in our, in our life where there are times where we run up against things and it's a decision that you have to make of whether or not you're going to get in the game, you're going to get in the fight and fight the good fight of faith, or you're going to sit on the sidelines and allow someone else to do that. We want to be find, uh, found in the last days like Paul, in our last days like Paul, fighting the good fight of faith, running the race of faith, and all the way to the end, keeping that faith. Because I've seen people start out fighting. I've seen people start out racing and running, and running very fast and doing a lot. And then I've also seen them lay down before their time was up. But Paul didn't stop there. He says, listen, I fought the good fight. I finished my race. And all the while, I kept the faith. I didn't abandon the faith. Tomorrow here on earth isn't promised. The way we've known life here in America isn't promised tomorrow. That shouldn't throw us as believers into fear, but it should give us as believers a laser beam focus for the kingdom of God that is unchanging. Don't let that scare you. Don't be so bent on holding on to an ideology about humanistic life that we forget that we're a part of a kingdom that doesn't change. That we're a part of a kingdom that is perfect. Amen? We've got to get our eyes off of the world and the things that are on here. And the Bible says that our eyes need to be fixed on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. If you want to be found finishing... If you want to be found at the end of your life saying, listen, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished my course and I kept the faith. Then you have got to keep your eyes on the one who never changes, on the one who is the author and the finisher of your faith, not something that constantly changes. Everything that we know, I don't want it to change. I'm not sitting here preaching uh, fear and, and doom and gloom. I'm saying that as believers, we understand and know fully well what this world is going to end up being. And if you want to end up being like the world, 
world, then keep your eyes focused on what the world is doing because I've seen many, many, many Christians looking at everything that's going on around them and thinking that they are going to be just like everything that goes on around them. Well, if you continue to look that way, that is what's going to happen to you. But you can be in the world and not of the world, the Bible says, as long as you don't keep your eyes on what's going on around you and keep your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We want to be found keeping the faith. We got to keep our eyes on him. Is this all right? Is this helping you at all? It ought to bring you joy. It ought to bring you joy. A good illustration of this is Peter. Good illustration of how we are as as humans is, is Peter when he sees Jesus walking on the water. If you go back, if you've heard about that, that, uh, that story in the Bible about Jesus walking on the water, they're out in a boat and he comes walking way out there. And at first they thought it was a ghost and they realized, oh no, that's Jesus. And Jesus is walking on the water. In that whole story, did you ever uh, read that Jesus ever bobbled or sank? No. Who did? Peter did. Peter started out strong. He said, hey, if it's okay, let me, to co- let me come out there. And Jesus says, come on. Peter is defying the rules of nature. Walking on top of water. Not in it, not half submerged, but walking on top just as Jesus is. Why? Because his eyes are fixed on Jesus. It's not fixed on the laws of nature. It's not fixed on the laws of the world. It's not fixed on what should happen in those certain situations. He's fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith, and said, if Jesus said, I can come out there and I can walk above all of this stuff, then I can. But where he messed up is, is as he was doing that, he's going, oh, Jesus said I can come. I'm walking on the water. And then it got a little wavy and it got a little windy. And he began to look at the things around him. And as he began to look at the things around him, he began to sink. Don't be a Christian that looks at the things that goes on. Because I'm telling you, it will get worse than it is right now. And if your eyes are not on him, you're going to sink in this stuff. But if you'll keep your eyes focused and fixed on him... You can walk on top of it. Amen? You know, overnight our health, I'm not confessing this stuff, I'm just saying it can happen. Our health can change overnight. Our financial situations can change overnight. Our government can change overnight. Here's one we don't want to think about, but our mental state can change overnight. Our relationships can change overnight. Our marriages can change overnight. Our kids can change. And I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who says, I am the Lord and I change not. I change not. So all of these things can be moving components because we live in a world that is flawed and it changes. But with all those moving components in and out, in and out, in and out, it it can only affect you if you allow it to affect you. But but something that can affect you even greater than the things that move in and out if you allow it is understanding and knowing that I serve a God who changes not. And my eyes will not be fixed on the things that change here, there, and yonder, the things that are are seemingly out of my control. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus who says he changes not and he's got precious promises for me. And I'm going to confess the things that Jesus says about 
about me. He says in his word that all of my promises are in him yes and in him amen, meaning so be it. And I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care about the wind. I don't care about the waves. I don't care about the health. I don't care about the, the government. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. And when I say I don't care, it doesn't mean that I'm not concerned. It means that I'm not going to allow what God wants to do through me to be dictated by the things that change in the world. I'm not going to allow it to change who God has created me to be and allow it to change what God has created me to do. But when our lives are built on a system that can change overnight, it's just like what Jesus taught about the man who builds his home on the sand, rather the man that builds his home on the rock. The rock is Jesus who never changes, but the sand shifts overnight. If, you, if everything you've got is built up in a system that's made out of sand, I'm not saying that it might change one day. I'm saying it will go away. But if our life is built on Jesus, the sand can come and go. The water can come and go. The waves can come and go. The wind can blow or it can be still. But I am still planted on the rock of Jesus. Amen? Is this all right? As long as my faith stays with a God who never changes and not with a world that can change in the blink of the eye, I'm going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Keep fighting the good fight. Finish your race and keep the faith. Paul finishes up his encouragement to Timothy. Uh, believe it or not, this is encouragement. You, you need this attitude. You need this focus. And Paul finishes up and he tells Timothy there in verse 8 that the result of keeping the faith. This is the result of keeping the faith. So he says, listen, I, I, I fought the fight. I finished my race and I kept the faith. And in verse 8 he tells you what the result of doing that is. Here's the result. Verse 8. Finally, there is laid up for me. He says, finally. Paul went through a lot of changes. He started out a whole different man. He started out Saul. He started out a man that went and built his education. He was the most perfect Sadducee Pharisee that probably ever existed. He says, concerning the law, I was perfect. Paul said that about himself. Of course, his name was Saul. He started out pursuing being the most religious, the most learned, And then that led him to be the most zealous man that's ever walked the face of the earth, probably to seek out and destroy the church of Jesus Christ, killing Christians, having Christians killed. And the Bible says that while he was still breathing murderous threats against the church, he was on the road to Damascus and God interrupted his life. And as God interrupted his life, God changed him from Saul to Paul. And this is at the end of his life. He's gone through this whole change. He's wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's evangelized the whole known world at that time. He's been an oracle for God. We're still preaching his letters today. He's still speaking 
God's still speaking through him in the church today, this morning. So all that that happened in his life, this is what he says at the end of his life, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He wasn't guessing. I want to be like Paul. I don't want to be at the end of my life guessing whether or not I did anything for God. Paul wasn't guessing. I have a feeling because I know I've been there and and from time to time I have doubts, but uh, probably every person in here would probably say, yeah, at this point, when I get to heaven, it's kind of guesswork. I don't want to have guesswork in my life when it comes to serving God. Paul wasn't guessing. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. There is. I know there is. It says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only. Here's the good thing. You say, well, that's great for Paul. He's, no, Paul says, not to me only. He says, finally, I know because I followed God and I did what God told me to do. And I spent my life, although I started out real shaky. I spent my life well and I did what the Lord told me to do. So you don't have to do everything Paul, Paul did. You just have to do everything that God tells you to do. And it might, it might be as vast as what Paul did, or it might be something like Ananias did. Anybody who, know who Ananias is? Ananias was the guy who had, who had the bravery, he had the boldness on the inside of him, knowing who Saul was, the one who kills Christians. And he, had, he didn't know what had happened to Saul. And God asked Ananias to go and lay hands on the great Saul, the one who persecutes the church. And he says, God, is this the same guy that's killing all of us and you want me to go to him? He says, yes, but listen, I want you to go. You, it's, it's vital that you go and lay hands on Saul because I am turning him into Paul. And that's me paraphrasing. Do you think Ananias spent his life well? Absolutely, in obedience to God and doing what God told him to do. So don't get mesmerized by some people's seemingly large part of what God wants us to do. You don't have to be concerned about that. Just be concerned about what God has called you to do. Just be concerned about being led by him, led by his word, led by the Holy Spirit, and not led by the things of this world that go up and down. Don't make your moves because of how this world changed. Make your moves because the Holy Spirit bears witness on the inside of you, and you're being led by the word of God. And this is what he says. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You know what it means to love his appearing? It means that we're looking forward to his appearing. When he comes, we're looking forward to that. We love his appearing. We're not worried about, we're not scared about his appearing. We're looking for his appearing. Now I'll say everything that I've said today, there's a delicate balance in planning for tomorrow while remaining completely into today. Because you might would take this message and go, well, I guess I'm not even supposed to think about tomorrow. No, no, I didn't say that. How many think that God's smart enough to be able to help you today and know exactly where you need to be tomorrow too? That's what's called being led by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Word of God. Because He's smart enough to know how to direct you today that will put you in places tomorrow that you need to be. So there's a delicate balance in planning for tomorrow while remaining completely in today. 
We can't slough off our responsibilities and say, I may not be here tomorrow, so I'm just not going to do this. If you do, you're not going to have no clothes to wear because they're all going to be in the laundry. You're not going to have anywhere to park because your yard's going to be grown up. I mean, there's stuff we got to do, right? But we also can't live life as if our only responsibility, I want you to hear me today. You also cannot get caught in the trap of living a life where you believe that your only responsibility is to work a job, pay your bills, and retire and die. You're so much more than that. You're so much more than that. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. For you're bought at a price, therefore, because God bought you back, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What you do with your life will either glorify yourself, glorify the devil, or glorify God. What you do with your life will either glorify yourself, just self-righteousness, it'll glorify the devil, or it'll glorify God. And my last question, I told you only, I was only going to ask one, but my last question is, who does your life glorify? It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Doesn't matter, you don't have to be a preacher for this, this scripture to apply to you. It applies to all of us. Who does your life glorify? No matter where you're at or what you're doing, who does your life glorify? You add up where you spend your time, how you speak to people, how you do what you do. Not your intentions, but your actual actions. What do your actual actions glorify? What does your actual actions lift up? I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.